Hi and welcome. I'm Elaine Body, and this is the first episode of the Food Bod Pod. So here we are. This is the Food Bod Pod with me, Elaine, and my esteemed producer and partner in crime here, David Treadway. Thanks, Elaine. I've been called lots of things in my life, but never esteemed before. So (laughs) so thank you for that. Then there's been something missing in your life. (laughs) So we are going to um, introduce ourselves in a second. But before we get on to that, I would just like to say we are here in partnership with Matthews Cotswold Flower. We're very happy about this because these are makers of the flowers that we use. And we know that if there's anything that you want to make in your kitchen, there's a flower for it. Because the range is so huge and it's such good quality. So we are very proudly the Food Bod Pod with Matthew's Cotswold Flower. You will be hearing more about them as time goes on. And we hope that we can inspire you to maybe try a new flower today. So... Here we are in my kitchen. Let's tell you a bit about us, David. Well, where shall I start? Um, I'm a little bit older than you, Elaine. Um, I'm, you know, this is this is the twilight of my career. Um, actually, it's not. It's the highlight of my career. But I should think so. Twilight of my life, maybe. So I've been working in broadcast and media for many years in radio, uh, satellite uh, television, and I actually have another life where I'm non-executive chairman of an international satellite distribution company, so I still keep my hand in, but I'm semi-retired. But in my retirement, and in 2020, in that first lockdown, I discovered sourdough bread, and I found you, and we've been friends ever since. Yes. And uh, we thought, actually... This would be a great thing to do together. Not just about uh, bread and sourdough, but about food in general, because we're both food lovers. So for anybody that doesn't know me, I'm Elaine Body, predominantly known for sourdough. Food bod sourdough is my sourdough side of things. I think it's fair to say that most of us regard you as a sourdough guru. (laughs) Thank you. My life is spent simplifying sourdough. This wonderful thing, this wonderful bread that we enjoy. I, 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 I'm never quite sure what to call myself. Sourdough baker, teacher, cookbook writer. We are coming towards a time when my third book is coming out, which I'm very proud of. But that's the tip of the iceberg for me because I, I am also a foodie. So we are here because we are food lovers. We have met because of sourdough and David and I conversed about it and then we started to converse about other things and a love of walnuts came into that. Indeed, French walnuts. (gasps) Yes, indeed, which were lovely. From a wonderful village called Floirac. Oh, okay. Near the Dordogne. And from that has developed our friendship and then this conversation, which was David's idea about this podcast. So full credit to you for that one. And our aim here is to really ignite and share our love of food in the hope that we will bring some of that joy from our kitchen to your kitchen and other people's kitchens. So our strap line is let's talk about food and that is what we intend to do. Talk about food, eat possibly a lot of food (laughs) 
But the intention here, there will be conversation about sourdough because that's my world. I am known as a sourdough baker. That's our connection. But that's not all that the conversation will be. We want to talk to lots of different people in the food world, home bakers, home cooks, maybe some more professional home bakers and cooks, some food producers, lots of different areas of the food world. But for me, if I read a a food magazine, if I watch a food show, anything for me, it's always about the tips. This is what I find most interesting. So I read recipes to learn from them, but also to get the tips and information. So it's like when you watch MasterChef or something like that. It's the tips and the little things that people do in their kitchens that they don't even realize they're doing. That's what I think is valuable. And that is what we will be bringing to this podcast. So everybody that we speak to, we're going to be asking what are your three top tips in the kitchen? But my other great love also is leftovers. Uh, to me, leftovers are the bomb because they they have so much flavor once it's had, had time to develop in them. And there's so much that you can create. So many of my recipes have been created as a result of leftovers. I've got a bowl of dough. I've thought, what can I do with it? What's in the fridge? Let's shove it in the dough and see what happens. So tips and leftovers are going to be a massive theme for us. What not everybody will know is I'm also vegetarian, but that doesn't mean this will be a vegetarian podcast. I may challenge people and say, what would you feed me as a vegetarian out of interest? Because it might give somebody something different to think about if it's not what they normally do. I think it's important to state here as well, Elaine, that being a vegetarian doesn't exclude you from appreciating the kind of food that other people use any more than being a meat eater. And I have to admit, I don't eat a lot of meat, particularly red meat, but I do occasionally. Um, But that doesn't exclude me from appreciating the vegetarian approach to eating nutritional food any more than it excludes me from appreciating the vegan Mm -hmm. approach my youngest daughter happens to be vegan so we quite often if she's in our house will have a vegan meal yep um which isn't something necessarily you know 10 years ago i would have thought i would do but um the great thing about food is food is delicious if you prepare it and cook it properly and it doesn't matter whether it's vegan whether it's vegetarian what kind of food it is if it's done properly it's delicious oh absolutely and the whole aim for our podcast is an appreciation of food and therefore that's going to include lots of things whether you would eat them or I would eat them or not it's not about our personal tastes it's about the fact of our love of food and quality of food and like you say how things are prepared and getting different input from different households and, and different producers. But we're not just, although we, our strapline is let's talk about food, we're not just going to be talking, are we? We're going to be in people's kitchens, yes. learning and looking over their shoulder and seeing what they do as yes. they prepare their favourite uh, foods. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So wherever we go, whatever kitchen we're in, we're going to be asking people to make us a recipe. Hopefully, something simple and straightforward that you'll be able to make in your own kitchens. But what we're also doing at the same time, therefore, 
is everything that we are recording for the podcast, we're also recording visually so that you can watch it on YouTube. So you'll be able to see us. We're currently recording at the moment. Hello. (laughs) As we sit in my kitchen, you can watch everything we're doing as well. So we will be recording for YouTube, for social media. So the first port of call will be the podcast. But if you actually want to see the things in action that people are making, you'll be able to see that online. So we have a supporting website. There's going to be links there to be all the places you can find the podcast. But there will also be links so that you can find us on YouTube as well. You can find me on Instagram. So we'll be having all that information as well. So And links to the recipes that, yes. that our guests are actually cooking and preparing. Yep. So wherever we are, whatever recipes that have been made, and we've already started to record some of these, so we can tell you there's some good stuff coming. You'll be able to watch the, vi- the videos of the recipes being made as well as have a written version. So we're making sure that whatever we talk about, wherever we are, it's packed with information for you to be able to use and take away as well. And it's going to be very exciting. It's going to be fun. I mean, as, as you say, we've already recorded some features for it and it's been fantastic fun and made some great new friends along the way as well. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, I am now meeting people that I've only conversed with through social media, but to actually then go to their kitchens and to be on the other side of that camera to see the things that they're doing and actually be with these people in person, watching them in their kitchen is just brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's really good fun. Next month's episode, we're talking to the lovely Cherie Denham oh. uh, in, in her kitchen. And a lot of her food is prepared on her arga, Yes. which is an education for me. I've never used an arga before. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So we're going to be bringing that in as well. So there's going to be using an arga, using a standard oven, using a hob. But yes, Cherie is just such great fun to be with her and be with her in person. My adrenaline is going already just, just thinking about the food she prepared, some <laughs> delicious taste memories. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm, I'm with you on that one. You're listening to the Food Bod Pod with Matthew's Cotswold Flower, bringing you 200 years of farming and milling excellence. So before we get ahead of ourselves too much, I'm going to put you on the spot, Mr. Yes. Treadway, okay? okay? Because I know, obviously, you make sourdough. Yeah, I do. Uh, but I know as well that you cook other things. Yeah. But if you were to give three top tips from your kitchen, what would they be? Well, don't be afraid of experimenting, particularly yes. um, thinking of when it comes to sourdough. I'm a great flour mixer. Rather than doing just a white loaf or just a wholemeal loaf or just a multigrain loaf or just a malted loaf. I'll mix flours to create just slightly different recipes and I love that. Mm. So this week, for example, I made a malted multigrain. So I took Matthew's eight-grain flour, which is one of my favourites. Oh, yeah. Just delivers delicious bread. And normally I'd mix that with a 500-gram loaf I'd, 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 I'd take 400 grams of eight grain and 100 grams of Matthew's whole grain wholemeal very strong great quality wholemeal 
flour. And that produces a lovely multigrain loaf. But this week, I decided I'd do something different. So I took 250 grams of 8 grain, and then I took another 150 grams, sorry, 200 grams of 8 grain, 150 grams of wholemeal, and 150 grams of one of our favourites, Cotswolds Crunch. Oh. So I created a malted multigrain, which oh. was absolutely delicious. Fabulous. So, I mean, and it's literally, you know, it's 200 grams of 8 grain, 150 of wholemeal, and 150 of Cotswolds Crunch, and it really produced a delicious loaf. Oh, that does sound good. I, I've got a um, a dough in the fridge at the moment actually made 100% 8 grain so that I can cook you some rolls for your lunch. Oh, delicious. I love 8 grain. I really do. Okay. In fact, I love them all. So, so, your, um, first, so your first tip one, is experimenting. Don't, don't be afraid to mix flowers and experiment. With. My second tip is one I've learned from my vegan daughter, my youngest daughter, Megan. And in fact, she, I think she learned it from a mate of hers who uh, edits a magazine but if you let's say you've got a um, third of a bottle or a quarter of a bottle of wine left over you've you've had some friends around you've had a few drinks uh, rather than leaving that bottle of wine i know this won't appeal to you <laughs> no you but i'm more thinking do you ever have a quarter of a bottle left <laughs> well <laughs> this is a good way of resisting temptation. Okay, so okay. That, so that you don't say, oh, we'll just finish that. Yeah, okay. So um, if you've got, particularly if you've used it in cooking, uh, maybe it's not a great quality drinking wine. You know, it's, mm. what, it's what my wife and I call a cooking wine. You know, a cheap supermarket wine that you don't necessarily want to serve with a meal, but is fine for cooking with. If you've got some left over, then put it into ice cube trays and freeze it. Oh, okay. And then next time you want you some can add it wine, to... just chuck it in, frozen from okay. the ice cube tray, trays, and it's a great way of preserving. Now, it's not, you know, you, I don't think you could defrost it and drink it, <laughs> but you can um, stick it into whatever you're cooking if it calls for red wine, or white wine for that matter. It's a great way of, of making sure you save wine and don't throw it away. I was just thinking, maybe halfway through the, it being frozen, you could put some sticks in it and turn it into, you know, <laughs> wine, wine, pops. <laughs> wine pops. Yeah, for, yeah. for the well, summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, a, what a great idea. What a great okay. idea. And another one learned from my vegan daughter. She's a terrific, she really is a terrific cook and, and very inventive. She never throws away liquor left from boiling vegetables. Right, yep. She always reuses it. Mm -hmm. Now, it might be she uses it in a smoothie. Or she might use it in uh, some some other way. I mean, for example, if you're if you're let's say you're boiling dehydrated fruits, some apricots or prunes mm. or whatever, to rehydrate them, don't throw that liquor away. Stick it in the next smoothie you make. Okay. And it transforms a smoothie. You can also use it in soup, particularly if it's uh, vegetable yeah. stock. Um, and it also uh, means you don't have to go and buy expensive stock cubes. Okay. And I'm going to add to that one. Because in my first book, I have a chapter called Swap the Water. Yes. And one of the recipes in there is using leftover water from boiling potatoes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So again, if you've got anything like that, any vegetables you've boiled, or like you say, the fruits, anything, if you save the water, just use it in your dough instead of standard water. Absolutely. And what you'll find as well is the starches that have come into the water, the dough really likes it. But if you, if you deliberately cut up a few medium-sized potatoes and boil those, reserve the water, 
then mash the potatoes and, and put add that too. in the bread yeah. with the potato liquor. Yes. Fabulous. You Absolutely see, fabulous. this is what's going to happen. This is this is how these things are going to generate ideas with this podcast. And we've already found this and we were talking to uh, the lovely Sophie that's coming up. Sophie Russian-Smith. Yes. Oh, yes. You As soon as you start talking about tips, and she initially thought, I'm not too sure what tips I've got. But the more that she talked, the more that she cooked, they just kept flowing out. And that's because... because to- they're intuitive, aren't yes. they? Yes, and so, you start with the you know exactly. the ideas you're talking about, and it goes on to something else. And you think, uh, I just do this instinctively. And it's that's what we want to capture. That is what I want this podcast to be about. Yeah. It's those things that you do in the kitchen that you don't even think about, that you don't realise the value that they are for someone else. Yeah. So, okay, so if we go into my top tips. Yes, yes, hear yours. Um, one of my biggies that I'm very known for that causes all sorts of interest, sometimes consternation, sometimes celebration, is I never preheat my oven. I cook and bake everything from a cold start. Not just bread? I mean, everything, every, everything you bake. Yeah. A- everything I cook. Everything that goes in the oven. Everything goes in from a cold start. So this, this can scare people, especially with their dough, their beautifully prepared dough. They worry it's going to ruin it. I promise I, I don't bake anything or cook anything in a preheated oven. doesn't matter what it is, whether it's going to be some vegetables, whether it's something from the freezer. I just add a bit of extra time on and everything goes straight into a cold oven and then I turn it on. So you don't even defrost stuff you've taken out of the freezer that goes straight into a cold oven? Too. If it's things that can be cooked directly from the freezer, yeah, absolutely. Just go straight in there. Now, that, that really is counterintuitive because we've all grown up thinking... You've got to you've got to preheat the oven. Yeah, but I guess and the oven should be ovens, blasting. Yeah, but we fan ovens these days; they heat up so quickly. Yeah, and actually, something that I was told by um, another guest that we're going to have is when fan-assisted ovens were first created and first brought out, the information that came with them was to say you don't said you don't need to preheat the oven. I remember that. Yeah. So when they first came out, because you're turning the oven on and the fan comes on, the heat's coming immediately. But because people struggled so much with the concept, they changed all of their literature to say preheat the oven because people couldn't get their heads around not heating the oven. But what about with a conventional oven? If you're not using the fan setting, you'd still need to preheat that. No, you don't. So I've had everybody test this. So if you think I have bakers all over the world with lots of different ovens. And so this has been tested, this theory has been tested with different ovens, with different pans, with everything. And it works. It doesn't matter if you've got a fan oven or a non-fan, a conventional oven or a gas oven. It works in every oven. The only time your dough may struggle is if you've got a really old oven or if you've got a really wet dough. That's the only time it may struggle, it may spread a bit, but it's still going to bake. But the fact of the matter is, is you don't need to preheat your oven. So you may be thinking, is that really going to save me much time and money? But actually it can. If you look at historic or some other sourdough recipes, they will be telling you to preheat your oven for an hour with an empty pan in. So you're basically wasting all of this heat for an hour you've got a really burning hot pan you've got to try and manage 
And for what? It makes no difference. I use a cold oven, a cold pan and a cold dough. Bread comes out perfectly. So there is a money saving, but there's also a time saving element because you don't need to think, oh, I need to get the oven on to preheat. You just think, oh, I want to bake my bread, shove it in. So I do that with my bread, with my rolls, everything that I bake, everything I cook. So my follow on kind of tip from that would be make the most of your oven. So if I'm going to put my oven on, I want to use all the shelves. I want to maximize it. So I will often have layers of big trays of roasted vegetables going on at the same time. And if you are somebody that likes to add steam, say, to baking a loaf that's uncovered or some rolls, if you've got a tray of vegetables that's roasting in the base, that's going to bring steam from the vegetables, which is going to help lift the bread if, if you are someone that adds steam to your oven. Won't it also affect the taste? No. And I, I've tested it. So I've done it with different vegetables to see if it would infuse the flavour into the bread, and it doesn't. So for me, don't preheat your oven and make the most of your oven. You know, put layers of stuff in it. I must admit, I sometimes use a, a, a baking steel, but only if I'm doing more than one loaf. And then I don't use a Dutch oven or, yeah. a, you know, a put it in a pan of any kind. I bake, I bake them side by side. And uh, I also, um, you know, they're, they're open. Yeah. It's free form. Um, you don't necessarily get such good ears that way I've discovered but you certainly do get really beautifully baked loaves but the baking steel you do have to preheat if you put that if you if you try it from a cold start then it takes much longer and the bread just doesn't quite rise because it's not getting the heat it's getting the heat for all around but not but it's on a cold steel yeah and someone did a test evident actually of trying my cold bake and they put a baking steel in the oven and didn't realise that how that was going to affect it. So if you think as well that steel is kind of blocking the heat as it's coming through and around the oven, so it is going to make a difference. To clarify, this isn't this conversation is not only going to be about bread, I promise you. Well, so, I was just going to say we, we we're actually <laughs> we're talking quite a lot about bread, but but the, the podcast is about so much more than that. And which I'm gonna justify as well with my third tip which is for me, spices are your friend. So if you looked at my cupboards to see what interests I have in food, you'll see my baking cupboard. You'll see a cupboard full of grains and seeds and nuts, you know, because I love that stuff. But you'll also see two huge spice cupboards because I love spices because to me, this simple, tiny little ground powder can make a huge difference to a meal. And I know that people can be a bit scared of spices. So we will have a um, an episode coming up, which is going to be talking to some spice experts to help you. I'm really looking forward to that because I'm, I think I, I, I'm in that group that loves the idea of spices, but isn't terribly confident necessarily about how to use them. Yeah, and so that will help. But also some of the tips that I'll share during our podcast episodes, I hope will help people as well. Because for me, and I've written about this before in my original food blog, it's be brave and think about the flavours that you like and what you'd like to bring to a dish. And even if you're making, if you're cooking your baked beans, and you put a bit of smoked paprika in, 
the difference, the, the immediate difference. Or if you're you're making some soup, you're making a carrot soup, or even if you've got a shop-bought one and you just add in a bit of extra ground cumin or something like that, you know, or start with mixes. If you actually have some mixes like a Mexican mix, an, an Indian curry mix of some sort, a Sri Lankan curry mix, a peri-peri, anything like that, it's a really a blend, that's what I should be calling it, a blend, is a really easy way to start learning with spices. So whatever you're cooking, if you start to put a spoonful in, you will see the difference immediately. But if you want to check, I can see the postman is about to knock at my door. You're listening to the Food Bod Pod with Matthew's Cotswold Flour on a mission to inspire the baking community from soil to sourdough. So, ladies and gentlemen, real life interrupts. <laughs> we are recording in my home kitchen, and uh, that's what happens when the postman knocks on the door. Uh, we go and answer it, and I'm very happy to tell you that the delivery that came was, um, was food, just by way of a change. Uh, so, what I was saying about spices... One of the best ways to um, maybe get an idea of what a blend is going to taste like or a single spice is, I mean, I'm a big lover of roast vegetables anyway, is when you're roasting some vegetables, throw some of the spice over a portion of it and see what the flavor does. For me, one of my big favorites is roasted cumin. It's a really easy one to start with. Smell your spices, see what interests you think about what your food tastes are and what you'd like to bring into your kitchen so that you can start to you know bring those smells and those flavors through to you but it goes back as well to the experimentation tip that David was saying I for me I didn't really realize until I I decided to start to teach myself to cook years ago that actually I have um a fearlessness in the kitchen I wasn't aware of. So I very much love chucking stuff in a bowl. I, I love chucking things like in a dough. That's why some of my, quite a lot of my recipes have spices in. But is it premeditated or are you just kind of making it up as you go along? Oh, making it up as I go along. Literally, I will be in the kitchen, I'll go, mm, what do I fancy? Open the cupboard and think, right, what shall I pick out? Yeah, let's grab that. And that I know comes from time but you know right at the beginning I did the same thing because it's how you learn for me but that's also why when I first started to really want to cook more at home I read a lot of recipes I didn't make them all necessarily but I read them to understand what different ingredients people put together in recipes I suppose it's also worth worth mentioning Elaine that not a lot of people know that you actually grew up in the Middle East so that has affected your the way you approach food, I guess. Oh, massively. I, I mean, that was just, it, it's formed everything for me. As you can see around my kitchen, it's, it's not only formed my food taste, but my choices of textiles and everything, I think, for me came from that time. It, it was, you know, I lived in Dubai when nobody had ever heard of it, you know, in the 1980s when you had to point at it on a map because no one knew where it was. And... I can remember the first time that I was introduced to um, 
Persian food sitting on the floor with a friend of ours as she served us a homemade meal. And she'd got beautiful rice that she served with butter. Just before she served it, she put butter on it so that the butter melted through the rice. It's just astounding. But those experiences of the food in the Middle East and the, the smells, for me, whenever I visit, if I, as soon as I get off the plane or I, I, I come out into, you know, through the airport, it's the smell and the heat, the aromas, it's the perfumes, it's the foods, it's all of it. And the other thing I like is that um, I've also spent a little bit of time uh, in, in, in the Middle East and not just in Dubai, is that um, there are similar foods right across the region. Yes. So um, hummus, for example, you find... You know, right across the Middle East, falafel, right across the yeah. Middle East. The same spices are used, but it's versions. Yes, it's just every versions. Every, yeah. every cuisine has its national identity that that is sort of more cultural to that particular area. But very often they start from the same base. Yes, and I, I, this is what I discovered. I think we're going on a tangent here, but go with us. This is what I discovered with my food blog. So when I first started my original food blog. It launched me into this whole amazing community of home cooks. And I think there's such a massive value in home cooks because the things we do in our kitchen, there's, there's so much experimentation. It's so valuable, so much more valuable to mainstream than they seem to realize. But what I then realized is exactly as you say, you can take a tomato sauce or a tomato base and you can look at what's in it and pretty much figure out what country it's from. So you would know if it's got Indian-based spices, if it's got herbs, if there's, you know, some oregano in it, is, you know, where does it come from? If it's got some smoked paprika in it, where does that come from? So every country, every region will have a tomato sauce that's theirs, but what differentiates it is the herbs and spices that's in it. See, I'm drooling already just thinking about shakshuka. Uh, oh gosh! Oh, now I'll make you mine one day. But and and this this these are the things that inspire us, and and these are what this is why we're here. If I then go on to my other great love of leftovers, I will always cook more than is necessary so that there's leftovers. And one of the things I love to do is shove leftover vegetables whatever there is into a blender with a portion of tahini bit of lemon juice maybe sometimes a bit of yogurt and turn them into a dip add some spices in and you can create so many different things you can't you know you can't call everything hummus because really it should be you know the chickpeas and the tahini but you it, it's based on that kind of starting point and if you don't like the idea of tahini, you can use something else, use some peanut butter. You could use um, just the yogurt on its own. So anything, for me, everything can become a dip. It can become a sauce. Stick it in a blender and see what it becomes. As you can hear, we are food lovers. The, the taste buds are going <laughs> yes. wild. Here. My, what I'm hoping the mic isn't picking up is my stomach rumbling. <laughs> But this, this is what we want this to be about. It's about the excitement of food and the, more, and the closer you get to, to, to food and to um, you know, taking that first step into baking your, whether it's a, 
you know, it's a pie or it's a quiche or it's a tart or it's bread. It doesn't matter. The the, the confidence grows with you as you... And then we certainly discover uh, this in the sourdough Facebook yeah. group. Yeah. And one of the things you're very good at doing is encouraging people to have the confidence. Yes, okay, it didn't work this time, but try this. Will it work next time? And it does, of course. You get there. It might, you know, we're all different. We've all got different kitchens, different ovens and and, and so on. And it might, you know, the journey might be different for, for, for person A to person B. But we do get there. And the joy of that first thing that works successfully you just feel so encouraged and and you know and that's how you become a foodie oh absolutely and it's and and unless you try how do you know yeah yeah. and what I find as well is from our group we know that people that are sourdough bakers are often people that are also in their kitchens doing other things they're preservers they're you know they're food growers there's, there is an interest, a, a whole interest of, of food, which is why, you know, we, which is why we're doing this. So this, this is us coming from our sourdough starting relationship to recognizing a love of food and wanting to take it further. I think it's worth mentioning at this point that we, we will also be looking at elements of food production as well. Yes. So obviously with our partnership with Matthew's Cotswolds Flour, we'll be devoting some time to their mill and, and recording a programme um, with with them and, and looking at probably more than pro- one programme, looking at how they produce their flour, what the process is, but also the recipes they develop. But we're also going to be looking at going back one step further and grain production. So we'll be talking to our good friends at FarmEd, mm. an institutional farming charity um, that is that is looking at new ways of using fertilizer, for example, um, commercial fertilizer versus natural fertilizers. The great um, the great contribution that the earthworm makes to uh, to farming, which you know uh, we probably don't think about, but it's yeah. absolutely fascinating. And also looking at the encouragement of regenerative farming, so that it becomes more sustainable. But also, we'll be talking to cheesemakers. Yes. Yes, we're looking forward I'm to looking that I'm looking forward one. to that one. But, you know, we are going to uh, rein ourselves in here. Otherwise, we're just going to keep telling you everything we, that's did coming. Did we get your three tips or did yes. we only get two? No, no. Well, we did because we got cold start oven, make the most of your oven, put as much in it as possible whilst it's on. Um, and spices. So it was a double oven. It well, was, yeah, it kind was one of thing. And a half but then, okay, um, my leftovers one can also be a tip. Okay. Then, <laughs> whatever you've got left over, shove it in a blender and see what it makes. Excellent. And tahini is your friend. Stick it in everything. But there'll be more that comes from me along the way. Uh, we... So we're going to be featuring top tips from all kinds of people, aren't we? Not just ourselves. Yes. Um, and every program is going to include those. Every program will be asking them for their three top tips. We'll be asking them what they would do with leftovers and um, what would they feed me if I was coming for dinner. We hope that you have enjoyed listening to us chat and that we inspire you to want to keep listening to us talk. This podcast is not just going to be David and I talking and it's not just going to be the two of us in a room on our own. There is going to be movement, action, recipes, tasting. The sound of food as well. Oh, as, the sound yeah. of us enjoying it. Yeah. So 
There's going to be so much to come. We hope that you will continue to listen. And we, we must also say that it's going to be a monthly podcast. So each yes. month there will be a new episode. And we will let you know when they're coming. So please do find the website. Please do click on the subscribe button for the podcast so that you get your notifications. We will let you know when things are coming out. You can find us at foodbodpod.com. So that's www.foodbodpod.com. That's it. So basically, think of it as my food bod moniker and the short version of podcast, foodbodpod.com. That's where you'll be able to find us. Oh, I'm thinking now of the other people that are going to be coming up and the people we're talking to. So I really hope that you enjoy it. I'm looking forward to the pizza episode with Scott Dealey, I must say. We haven't recorded that one yet. <laughs> you need to stop giving these things away. I know, it's less of a surprise, isn't it? Yeah. But there will be some surprises. There, there will be. Um, but once again, um, let's thank and, you know, we're really grateful that we're doing this in partnership with Matthew's Cotswold Flower. I know we've talked about them a lot and that's because we love them. We are so looking forward to visiting the mill and talking to Bertie because you're going to love listening to him. He's so enthusiastic. I have got a dough sitting on the counter behind me, which I have made with uh, Churchill's flour, but I've used my wholemeal starter. So you've got little bits of grain in it from the wholemeal starter. You've told us what flowers you've been using this week, and we will be telling you the flowers that we've used along the way. If there's any news from Matthews when we're recording, we will make sure that we share them. But for now, thank you for joining us. The Foodbot Pod with Matthews Cotswold Flower, award-winning flower created by farmers, millers and bakers.